0: Praise the Lord. Thank you, sir. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, sir. Bless you. Glad you came tonight. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> Glad you all came tonight, too. Good of you to come on Sunday night. I mean, everyone's life is so busy, and uh, isn't it wonderful that we can put the word first? You know, there's, there's something about the incorruptible seed. When it's sown, it grows up and it becomes. And my mom, when she got a hold of this in 1970, we went to uh, Life Tabernacle Church in Shreveport. It actually was the home of, of the healing revival uh, where uh, Gordon Lindsay stopped preaching to manage. William Branham and uh, all those guys. Man, you look at all the miracles they had, just crazy. You look at some of the videos. So uh, my mom got so into it that she would take her confession packs to the, to the lake when we're skiing. In the back of the boat, she's uh, you can do all things through Christ's strength. And I'm like, serious, Mom? While we're skiing? I mean, she's quoting the word. You delight yourself in the Lord. He calls you to ride on the high places of the earth. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You lean not to His own, your own understandings. In all your ways, you acknowledge Him. He directs your path. In His pathway, there is light, and there is no darkness at all. I could go on all night because of my crazy mother. So there's, there's something about getting the word in you. Uh, it produces a stability and a strength where you're not moved. Just we talked about COVID, you know, you have, you have so much word in you, it's just like, what? Uh, it's no big deal. I mean, obviously, we, we go by what we have to go by, but when it comes to fear, zero fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Amen. So you're here. So we have a lot to cover. I mean, I was thinking of this morning. Uh, you know, I shotgunned a lot of things about the coming of the Lord, a lot of the signs. And we know the rapture signless. The second coming has tons of signs. We know the rapture. We go up to meet Jesus in the air. And at the second coming, we bodily come back down with him. So there's some events getting ready to happen. And the, the rapture is about seven or eight years before the second coming. So if you can see all the signs of the second coming back up seven or eight years, we're close to the rapture. So we're privileged, we're blessed, and it gets really quiet when you get definitive about that uh, because we were taught over the years that you couldn't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, you can if you can read. That'd be like being on the freeway driving from here to Des Moines. I can't tell when I'm going to get to Des Moines. How do I know? Well, the signs are telling me. Just like McDonald's, you're going to get you a quarter pounder with cheese, large fry. It says eight miles. According to the way I drive, in about six minutes to seven minutes, I would be there. (laughs) So the signs tell you uh, that you can plan your exit. Okay, If we're smart enough to do that with McDonald's, think about being smart enough to do it with the Bible. Because the consensus has been, don't tell me when the Lord's coming back, you can't know. And we're going to break over some, kind of kick over some sacred cows tonight with truth. Truth sets you free. In fact, it was the exact opposite of what that was. The Lord was basically telling them a three-day period when He was going to come back for them. When He said of that day and that hour, no man knows, He was basically giving them code for, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. We were never taught that years ago, but we'll get into some of that tonight. So much to get into, and I know I go fast. But there's just sign after sign after sign after sign. And I probably forgot a bunch on the t-shirts. There's about 20. I think I gave you about maybe 10 or 15 this morning. But how'd you like the signals in the crazy blood red moons and all that stuff and all the other signals? We, we, once you get into town, you don't need a sign to tell you you've got to exit. You're in town. You've got signals. So we, we've gone from signs to signals. So blessed are we to be the redeemed of the Lord in the last days of the church age. You'll look back at this sliver of time, and you'll remember this. You'll look back and go, wow, I was there just before God came to the planet. Man, what, what, a, what an amazing destiny for your life. And we didn't get into all of it this morning with all the dates and everything, but man, you, you look at all of the stuff together and you go, wow, the Lord's about to come back. So think about this. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. So it's full, full. There's more verses written about what it would look like right before he comes than anything in the Bible. Why? So we'd have a heads up. And that's exactly what Jesus said. When you see these things, lift up your heads, your redemption is drawing nigh. Indicating he doesn't want you downtrodden. He wants you happy. And we'll get into all that tonight. All these things about the end times are so that you'll be happy and hopeful. Because you, if you don't have any strength. You can't do anything for the Lord. So your joy is your strength. So we look at these things, and Paul wrote this so that we'd have radical joy. You can't get much cooler than all of a sudden about to see Jesus. I mean, try to think of something that can trump that. There is nothing that can trump that. Uh, I saw Jesus. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna visit him at the rapture of the church and go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and uh, uh, just just the judgment seat of Christ, the reward seat of Christ. What you have a wonderful future. You have so much cool things to look forward to. Sometimes in the past, people got to where they didn't have anything to look forward to. The Lord's got so many things in front of you that you can have a radical expectation to look forward to fun things. And Daddy won't take the T-bird away. Fun, fun, fun. And he won't take the T-bird away. So (laughs) let's pray and we'll get right into all the stuff tonight. So Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We're in awe of your mercy and your love and your kindness that you would let yourself be beaten And you let yourself be whipped at that whipping post for our bodies and for our peace of mind and for our eternal life. We're in awe. So we've gathered tonight on Sunday night. We're communicating. We love you. We're here. We're hungry. We love you, Jesus. So we thank you for such a radical inheritance that we have, that we'll use our authority to to bring change in all of our own lives and even in our own nation. The name of Jesus. You said we're two or three are gathered in your name. You're there. So thank you for being here, Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for utterance and we thank you for insight, Uh, uh, radical insight into the plan of God, where we are in time. Help us see exactly where we are. We thank you for that. And Lord, we know uh, we'll, we'll see you high and lifted up with your train filling the temple. We bless you. We magnify you. We honor you. We're in awe of your kindness and we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said amen. amen. You get into all this and it just gets overwhelming how much stuff there is that's happening right now. And I forgot so many things about Iran. This last week, Iran had nine different uh, explosions uh, several of them were at their nuclear plants that Israel had planted bombs because Iran's making missiles and sending them down through Syria to get to Hezbollah in Lebanon. And Israel, I think, in the last two weeks did, actually, last four weeks, did about seven uh, airstrikes in Damascus. <laughs> Now why is that a big deal? Because the Bible says in Isaiah 17 that Damascus will be removed from being a city. So you're going to wake up one morning and the news is going to be on there and say Damascus is gone. So you've got all these things happening that are just little bits of the puzzle to come together. If you're going to play a football game, all of a sudden when the players are on the field, you know we're about to kick off. Then all of a sudden when you see them line up for the kickoff, it's gone from warm-up, they're about to kick off. So you've gone from warm-up, you've gone from people getting in position, to where the kicker's going back like that and the, and the ref's going to kick away. So you're watching everything set up for him. So think about this, the Paul, uh, the Bible says that, that Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, coming of the Lord 52 times. So it's a theme of the book, he's coming back. The flawlessness about the first coming of the Lord, we didn't get really get into it this morning, but the prophecies about the first coming were so precise. It was prophesied he'd be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. He'd be preceded by a messenger. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. He'd be be thrown in there to buy a potter's field. (laughs) They'd gamble over his robe. They'd pierce him in his side. He'd wear a crown of thorns. He'd be quiet before his accusers. These are all prophesied. This is the one I like. It would get dark in the middle of day while he's on the cross. Wow. So all those prophecies came to pass. Now, this is math. How many of you had statistics in school? Uh, I had about two weeks of it, and I was done. (laughs) And <laughs> they could have been speaking Chinese. I had, no, I had literally no earthly idea what they were talking about. But it's just math. You know what the odds are of all those prophecies happening in one generation? It's 480 trillion times a billion times another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance. The, the detail of the first coming is that detailed. Eight times more verses about the second coming. So it's the theme of the book. He's coming back. Why would he want us to have a heads up? There's a lot we need to do in a short period of time. Tell a quarterback. I hear people go, why would we preach on end times? Tell a quarterback not to show you the play clock at the end of a football game. No, everything is gauged on the play clock is winding down. My urgency changes. You can drop the ball at the beginning of the game, but you can't drop it when there's 18 seconds left. And then when there's 11 seconds left, there's a heightenedness. Let's get this done. That has to get in the church because Jesus is just about to come. I had a guy say to me, Joe, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, you'll just get everybody's hopes up. Duh, that's exactly right. It's the hope that purifies you even as you're a pure. Can you believe someone would say that? Well, A, ser- a famous evangelist, if I told you his name, everyone in here would know him. And he said, Joe, you, you just teach on that, you'll just everybody's hopes will get up. Wow, okay. So we get into it. So let's go do a couple minutes of review, and we'll get into Luke 21 for about five minutes. And I promise we won't go long into that, and we'll go to the next event because there's about ten or fifteen signs I forgot this morning that because they're just overwhelming to get all of them anybody look up the Capitol building of uh, in Strasbourg France how it's identical to Tower of Babel anybody look that up It's pretty crazy amen thanks sir not it, it nuts how it's identical to it it's crazy so crazy so here we go to luke twenty one and you know this is how I, I, I over I don't really get into this kind of stuff because I don't have time usually but we got a little bit more time than normal so uh, this is how important it is, and, and uh, I went to Rhema in 1980. You guys went to Rhema in 1964. No, you went. You went in 78. I'm just messing with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pastor Mike of Gath. You went in 78, right? Goliath of Gath, my, Pastor Mike of Gath, uh, 78, 77. What year did you go? 78. 78. Wow. So uh, I went to Bible school. Like I told you, my mom got a hold of the word in 1970, and just went f- wholehearted into it, like psycho into it, to the point. Before she got a hold of the Word, she was afraid of everything. Like if I got near the water, she had three life jackets on me, belt life jackets. I looked like the Michelin Man. Still do, but anyway, don't have the jackets on. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was just freaked out by fear. She, she, if you picked up a phone, be careful, the battery might explode and blow your ear off. What? It's a phone, mother. So but when she got a hold of the Word, she just tr- got transformed. She, she took that word in her that, that you're a conqueror. There's no victim to it. You're a victor. I had a wreck on my bicycle. I built a, a ramp, and this is 1970, and I flipped off and cut my lips wide open. My lips are flapping, and I'm bleeding everywhere. I walked up into the house. My sister's playing the piano, and, and she just screams bloody murder. I walk into where my mom is, and she goes, Don't bleed on the carpet. We've got prayer meeting tonight. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't care if I bled. Just don't bleed here because people are coming over. Doesn't that sound like a mom? We've got folks coming over for prayer meeting, and we don't want blood right here. She knew nothing could happen to me that wouldn't that the Lord couldn't fix, so that 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 was 1970. So you, you get around the word like that. And Kenneth Hagan we I would tell Mom, hey, he's preaching in Pittsburgh. We go to Pittsburgh. Hey, Mom, he's preaching in Phoenix. Let's go to Phoenix. I wasn't excited about the word. I'd do anything to get out of school, so. <laughs> That gets in you, though. And in 1987, I had traveled with a couple of preachers for about seven years, and the Lord appeared to me. I'm praying in my middle bedroom in Tulsa, and there's Jesus right there. You know how we think of all the cool things we say to the Lord when he appears to you? You know what I'm saying? Would you like a Diet Coke? Uh, You know, Abraham said, hey, stay for dinner, and they killed a cow. I mean, they made steak right there when when he visited Abraham. I was so freaked out, I'm just bawling. (laughs) Jesus stands there, and he tells me to preach on end times. I said, I don't want to do that. He said, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) So then he's gone. Three years later, I'm in Hastings, Michigan. I'm staying at some friends of mine' house, and I travel all over Michigan to kind of base out of there. A buddy of mine had these real cool walnut walls and a real awesome study. I would go and listen to Sandy Patty tapes because she'd sing about Jesus. Like I love your songs. You guys sang tonight about Jesus. So wonderful. So I'm sitting there in that study, and all of a sudden I begin to cry. I thought, man, I'm not, what am I crying about? This is weird. And I kept, I kept getting overwhelmed with his goodness. Look up, and there's Jesus standing right there in front of me, white robe and an olive green sash. Had his hands behind his back, like he's leaned up against my buddy's desk. And he just looked at me, and this was a look that blessed the world's heart, not critiquing, not judging, not analyzing. I love you just the way you are. His goodness led me to repentance. I knew exactly what it was. I have not preached on the coming of the Lord. I went to the next church. I know right where it was, by Lansing. I ran over the pew screaming, Jesus is coming. <laughs> so let me just tell you, if Jesus is appearing to me to preach on end times, he's desperate, okay? he needs. <laughs> he's, he's run out of, of tools, all right? His tool shed, his flux capacitor is running low, so he needs all of you doing what you're supposed to do. So that's why we get into this. It's not about this or that. It's about every single one of us have a destiny right here before jesus comes and you you're in a church where you can put your hand to the plow and you can rock and roll so let's do it go to luke 21 and let's go to verse 24 we talked about it this morning luke 21 verse 24 they'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations and jerusalem shall be trodden down of the gentiles or nations until the times of the gentiles are fulfilled basically that happened in 70 a.d man there's a lot of things you can think about jesus cursed the fig tree there was no fruit in 30 A.D., exactly one generation later, 40 years later, 70 A.D., Jerusalem's overthrown. And Jesus says, when you see the Jews get this back, time's up. So in our lifetime, 67, six-day war. Man, there's other miracles that happened in that six-day war, so cool. So Jerusalem's won back. How amazing that Lord tied timing to a location so it's easy to get. <laughs> he didn't say, now Aunt Mary's going to get healed on the Sabbath day on the northern part of Traverse City, Michigan, and you'll know you can fly by her house until time's up. No, He he brought a city back to them, and then He gets even clearer about, about Israel becoming a nation. So watch Him get more detailed so that we can tell where we are in time. Notice this, the Lord rebuked the crowd One time, hang with me, one time he rebuked the crowd over not knowing what the time is. He said, you can tell what the weather's going to be, but you don't know your hour your visitation. He rebuked the Pharisees over and over and over again, but the only time he rebuked the crowd was they didn't know what time it was. So these two keys are going to tell you exactly what time it is. So look at verse 29. He spake to them a parable. He said, "Uh, look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know, we said it this morning, know, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. He's saying this and connecting those two things, Israel becoming a nation, Jerusalem being won back. So you can know something. What can you know? The kingdom of God's nigh at hand. And in the next verse, he tells you how close it is nigh at hand. This generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. The generation sees those two events, but we know we have about 50 signs, but how blessed are we to have two main things happen to show us where we are? Why would that be a big deal? You make changes. You make changes. You make alterations. You don't fit church into your life. It is your life. Could you imagine being haughty just before the coming of the Lord? Could you imagine being arrogant right before the coming of the Lord? I would want to have a contrite heart. I would want to have a humble spirit, Lord. I want to be pliable. I want to be, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. How dare me as a believer go, I'll live my own life however I want. Well, there's a seven-year period for people that think that way called the tribulation. (laughs) And it's going to be so bad that it's pressure put on people to receive Jesus as their Messiah. We think of it as judgment, but the Lord's so merciful, He's going to put some pressure on them like a fox soul to get them saved. So you're watching the earth get ready for dad to do some rat-a-tat-tat just so more people won't go to hell. So notice this. Why is he telling us these things? So we'll know. Why is he telling us these things? So we'll know. What does knowing bring? Boldness. <laughs> All right, let's go a little further. Here we go. Look at the next verse. There we go. Verse 33. Heaven and earth will be altered or pass away. My words will not pass away. Now I'll just say this. The world's never coming to an end. I hear people say, well, the world's about to come to an end. No, the world's never coming to an end. Every movie you see where where the hero comes in at the end of the day and saves the day, they get that from the Bible. Jesus is going to come back and stop war right there on the Mount of Olives. Wow. Won't that be amazing? The Bible says it's so violent. Hang with me. It's so violent at the second coming of Jesus that the mountains can't handle it. The mountains all break because of how much of an earthquake there is. Now, Jesus is about six feet tall, but he carries with him so much power and so much glory that the whole planet vibrates at his entrance. Hallelujah. See, we've really never seen that Jesus. We've seen the mercy Jesus and seen the gospel Jesus. They're about to see him as God. I like to say it this way, the boss is coming back. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so let's run through these real quick, because we got to get to our next event. So we, we have Israel made a nation, Jerusalem went back, you got the hebrew language restored we talked about that this morning you got the ethiopian jews brought back we talked about that this morning we got the fertility of the land of israel didn't talk about that the fertility of the land of israel should preach for us mark twain was there in the late 1800s he said the land is so desolate it won't support life <laughs> yet israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of europe Think if you ate an apple this morning, made New Jersey, ate a pear, made New Jersey, ate a banana, made New Jersey. man, what's up with New Jersey? A country the size of New Jersey producing 90 percent of the fruit for a continent, because the dirt is so blessed. God's done all these things so you can physically, tangibly see the blessing of God. I've talked about it many times. You can go up on the Golan Heights, you don't have to have anybody tell you where Syria is. It's lush green grass, and right there with the grass, there's no grass, it's Syria. I told my buddy, I told you, I told Ronnie, my buddy Ronnie Levy. I said, Ronnie, do you guys have a sprinkler system? Do you use Scott's Super Turf Builder? He looked at me like, are you crazy? I said, to get my grass to look like this, I got to fertilize it four times a year, and I've even called Scott's because they detuned it, and it it doesn't, doesn't even get as dark as it used to get. Without them doing anything other than God's Word saying the dirt is blessed, I'll give them a covenant that will last forever. Now, it's sad that Hollywood senses a change coming. You got Walking Dead, you got zombie movies, you got all, they sense a resurrection coming. I got friends that watch The Walking Dead. I go, You watch The Walking Dead? Are you crazy? I mean, all that stuff is so weird, but Hollywood senses a change because the change is coming. There's a change coming for the earth. Jesus is about to come back to the planet. So the alterations are there. You have, the, you have the fertility of the land of Israel. I could, pre, I could give you three hours just on the fertility. They have more trees than any nation on the earth since they've been keeping count. God showed them how to put like a tray thing underneath the trees and it collects all the dew and the trees just prosper. They, they have their, their cornfields decorated with rose bushes. I said, why would you put roses all over the cornfields? Because the insects will go to the roses before they'll go to the corn. I was on Mount Carmel one year, right there where Elijah was, looking down over the valley. All of a sudden, I heard this jet spool up. And I thought, man, what in the world? I could hear a jet. F-16 comes shooting out of a hole in the ground, underground runway, right where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. I told my buddy Tom, I said, dude, I just saw an F 16 come shooting out of a hole in the ground. He goes, you're crazy. Next thing you know, man, you hear another jet spooling up. Next thing you know, apparently this X 15 goes underground for a while and hits an opening and comes straight up vertical. Flew right up over our heads. I could see the pilot's face. He was so close to us. I said, man, Israel's getting ready to do rat a tat tat with their baseball bat, too. Glory to God. So it's wild. They're, 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 the fertility of the land of Israel, they're so blessed. Many more things. You know, we got the Temple Mount Institute. Gosh, I didn't even talk about any of that this morning. We got, man, all right, we're, we're going to get there. Hang with me, okay? Everybody say caffeine. (laughs) You have the Temple Mount Institute that's a group of Jewish men's last names. Cohen means priest. They've been going to school for 25 to 30 years. They have everything ready for sacrifices. The cool thing is they have a temporary or a makeshift altar that they put in the back of a truck and took it over to the Temple Mount and had a sacrifice on the edge of the Temple Mount. And the Sanhedrin met with Benjamin Netanyahu this year and said, can we have sacrifices on the temple? And he said, of course not. It, all, the war, World War III would break out. So they went ahead and did it on the side of the temple. And then the, uh, the, the chief of police for Jerusalem just got elected says, you know what, I think it's time for us to have sacrifices on the temple mount. So when the police say you can go up on the temple mount, you can go up on the temple mount. So all these things are in position because we're about to have a transition. The church is about to be evacuated. They're going to go back to Old Covenant time. They're going to start having sacrifices. So those guys are all in position. The one thing they needed was the oil of anointing, and they found it out where the Red Sea Scrolls are, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls are, and uh, they they did a composition of it and took it to the chemical analysis, and it's identical to the book of Leviticus. Wow, that's, that's lucky. No, it's not lucky. God had it out there waiting for them so they can start having sacrifices again. So you have fertility in the land of Israel. You have the Temple Mount Institute. You've you got all these different uh, things that are in position. That Man, if you, if you looked at everything that's happening, the combination of all of them, it's freak-out time Jesus is about to come back. When you add them all up and then you get to the signals, you've got blood-red moons, you've got the Bethlehem Star. Did anybody look at the two-minute uh, bonus feature? Is that the craziest thing you've ever seen? That God would have the passion lamb, an eclipse, have his heart go black exactly at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? The precision of everything? Man, our dad does not mess around. He's awesome. He rocks. So isn't it wonderful our dad doesn't have, uh, uh, he's not bipolar? <laughs> we could have had a God that was just a loose cannon. No, his mercy endures forever. He's, there's no, 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 no variableness of, of him. There's no shadow of turning with him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're so privileged so in the in the ages to come, he's going to show forth his goodness and his kindness to those that first trusted in him. We trusted in him when we couldn't see him, but there's coming a whole thousand years where people will be able to see him, and people will even have a tendency to reject him. So there's great change coming for the earth. He's raised you up to be the, the literally the overseers for that thousand years. So. So many, 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 many signs about the coming of the Lord, signals about the coming of the Lord. So that just means to, 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 to hustle. Just like I said in the, when the football game when the play clock was winding down, you don't kind of walk into the huddle. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Could you imagine? And the play clock's just buzzing down. I'd be like, come on, let's, 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 let's do it. we got, We got seconds left. If we had any idea how close we were to the rapture of the church, we would think different. We'd live different. There'd be more joy in your life. You'd have so much joy in your life, people would say, what's wrong with you? Hmm. <laughs> I'm about to see Jesus, the shepherd and the bishop of my soul, the firstborn from the dead, the lily of the valley. Come on, the brightness of the glory of God. Oh, come on, he's, <laughs> he's Peter's shadow. He's Stephen's signs and wonders. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Bright and morning star. Hallelujah. We're about to see him face to face. I, I don't know if there's much protocol to get ourselves ready for that, but it's about to happen. So all of these signs show us we're there. You say, well, the signs have all happened in other generations. Nope, never. (laughs) I was witnessing to a Navy SEAL one time on a plane, and I was telling him about the odds of all those coming to pass. He goes, well, they read those and brought them to pass. I said, an eclipse while he was on the cross? How do you pull that off? I mean, how weird is that? I mean, so if you don't want to believe, you're not going to believe. So you could be in the midst of all these things happening and still have a hardened heart. Well, that's what the tribulation is for, is to bring people. uh, uh, God's going to do fireworks for seven years so that people that have a tendency to be uh, hard to get to are hard-headed. He's going to go, okay, the water's turned to blood. We're not catching much today. I guess not. The water's turned to blood. I mean, you think about it. I was preaching in the Ukraine with your brother uh, uh, years ago, uh, Rachel's brother. And uh, I said the word wormwood, and everybody gasped. And I go, well, well what's that? Uh, that's the word Chernobyl in the Russian Bible. See, there's an asteroid going to hit. I haven't talked about all that today anyway. There's an asteroid that's going to hit and make a third of the waters radioactive. This year, we've had 54 flybys of asteroids, several of them they saw after the fact. That's kind of scary, (laughs) an oops day. (laughs) We had a a planet fly by us, a a big rock fly by us, and we didn't see it afterwards. You've had 54. So uh, the Earth's getting ready for all this, so it's just a great day of change. So we're going to get into the next event. I'm just trying to make sure I cover all my bases so that you all have all the signs, because sign after sign after sign, Jesus is about to come back. So then you look at the tribulation. It's fireworks. I, I've said it here many times. In high school, I'd date girls, and I had a spot I would go to on every date. I'd pull over, and I'd get out, and I'd take fireworks out, and I'd shoot fireworks off. So I'd say, I'd say you can't say you didn't go out with me and you didn't see fireworks. <laughs> I didn't do it once. I did it many times. <laughs> but I, I was trying to get her attention. So God's going to have seven years where he can get people's attention because he loves them so much. He loves them so much he doesn't want them to go to hell. I was preaching on it in Australia in Tony Patsy's school there. Patsy said, man, the tribulation, because I got to go into more detail for the school. She said, wow, that's like hell on earth, but at least it's better than going to hell forever. So the mercy of God for seven years of pressure, but we're getting ready to be evacuated. The ambassadors are about to be taken off the earth, and that's what we'll talk about. Let's get into the rapture of the church. What's next on God's calendar for you and I, and that's to be caught up. So grab your Bibles there and turn over to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll get into all this. There's some cool stuff we'll get into because, man, there's some absolutely bizarre teaching I see on TV about the rapture that don't, 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 I don't mean to be ornery. I'm just saying some people might want to use the Bible because <laughs> the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. And once you use the Scripture, it just produces peace and joy and strength. And we'll get into all this stuff. So all of a sudden, here in a moment, uh, not, I don't say in a moment, soon... Uh, we're going to be changed. Just as Pastor Michael said, there's in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That that amount of time is the smallest amount of time that can't be divided. So God's so powerful, he's going to say, come up hither, and every one of our bodies are going to be remade and instantaneous. (laughs) He's able to subdue even all things unto himself. You talk about subdue all things unto himself, come up hither, and a billion people get evacuated off the planet so let 's look at the scripture let 's let the Bible preach to us. look at first Thessalonians chapter four now think about this as we get into this Paul. He was with them for two weeks. What did he preach on? When you get into 2 Thessalonians, this is, this is going to make it make so much more sense for us. They thought they were in the tribulation. Nero was killing Christians and was setting them on fire. He was dipping them in oil and putting them up on poles to be nightlights. So they thought, well, we have to be in the tribulation. This guy's the Antichrist. So Paul's writing this letter to them to let them know you can't be here during that time because you have so much authority. So, so that's what he's trying to let them know. What's it for? To bring them joy and peace and hope. So that's what the letter is for. And you know what? He's with them for two weeks. What did he teach about? The rapture, the second coming, and the Antichrist. I would have thought Paul would have taught on who you are in Christ. You've been quickened, you've been raised, you've been seated. No, he taught on end times because it was relevant to them. They were going through something that they thought was trib, so the Lord wanted to bring them peace. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. He says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, or because of this, comfort one another with these words. So the purpose of this letter is to bring comfort to them. And really it's the word exhort. Exhort one another. Yell at each other that you don't have to be here during the tribulation. He gets into it in the next chapter. He's not appointed us to wrath. He said, you, he said, that day won't even overtake you as a thief. He says, when the world says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, not the church. For you are not in darkness. That day would overtake you as a thief. Now, we'll break it down because this event, we've all heard all the, I don't know about you, growing up in the early 70s, it was like rapture practice, rapture everything, you know, all the posters of the graves bursting open. The graves aren't going to burst open. The, new, the people are going to get brand new bodies and go right through their caskets. How cool is that going to be? Man, what an event we're talking about today. You talk about chaos, a billion people disappearing. It's just going to be an amazing event. And it really, really is going to happen. Why do you say that? Because Enoch was raptured, walked with God, caught up, raptured. People say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. It's the word harpazo, it means to be snatched. But the Latin word is raptur, raptured. We're going to be taken by force. Hallelujah. How cool is that? Just like Elisha said, I, I, I want to get that anointing that's on you, Elijah. He said, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken, we're going to be taken just like Elijah. And you know what? The sons of the prophet said, don't you know your master's going to be taken from you today? They knew the day of the rapture. He goes, yeah, I know it. Shut up. no big deal well you know what happens the chariot of israel and the horsemen thereof he goes up in a whirlwind there's a rapture well so then jesus was raptured he ascended right there in front of their eyes and the church will be raptured there's a a mid-trib rapture there's another rapture after that of the great multitudes there's many raptures in the bible there's something about god needing to take people from here putting them over there (laughs) so it's called a rapture (laughs) amen so so great days of change you're the ambassadors of Christ. Israel uh, took their ambassadors out of southern Turkey last year because they thought a war was about to break out. Who did they take out first, the soldiers? No, took out the ambassadors. So we're going to be evacuated from the planet. Now I hear people go, well, it's just because you don't want to be here during the trip. No, you have so much authority. He can't do what he wants to do unless he takes you off the planet because it's going to go back to old covenant time. So we'll get into all that. So let's look at it. Look at, look at this. Look at verse number 14. He says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. So there's the, the requirement to go up in the raptures to believe in Jesus, be in Christ. I hear so many people say, well, how dare you say if you're born again, you're going up. It's about being in the family. Has, you have nothing to do with it. We want to make everything have everything do with us. Am I cool? Am I holy? Am I am I worthy of the rapture? In the flesh, none of us are worthy of anything. But His blood purchased you. That's why it's called redemption. He redeemed you, so He's coming back for you. We'll get into more of it here in a minute. But the whole purpose of the rapture, the number one purpose, is you need a new body. Have you Have you Have anybody grown older lately? Have you noticed you might want a new body? I mean, I'm quickened. Thank God the life of God quickens me, but I'm sure looking forward to getting a brand new body. It doesn't get any cooler than getting remade. Come on, never gain weight again. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Come on, it doesn't get any cooler than that. Never get tired again. I mean, we're going to have a whole different thought pattern. You'll never say I'm bored. You'll never say I'm tired. You'll never gain weight. Do, woo, glory to God. Do you know the marriage supper of the Lamb, you know how long it's supposed to last? You want to know how long that meal's going to last during the seven-year tribulation while we're in heaven? The marriage supper of the Lamb lasts an entire year. So you'll be able to eat for a 365-day period, and you're fine. <laughs> I might do Elvis on that one. Come on. So let's look at the Bible, though. What's the Bible say? How do, we, how do we know what it's going to look like? It's easy. We go to after Jesus was raised from the dead. On the road to Emmaus, you know, don't you love how the Lord didn't let them know who he was? I love them playing, playing jokes on them. Their, their eyes were beholden to who he was. That's so cool. And you find out that Smith Wigglesworth used to hide behind walls in, 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 in England and jump out and scare people. So here Jesus is walking with the disciples, and they were sad. And Jesus goes, why are you guys so sad? He goes, well, they crucified our Lord. Because the Lord doesn't want you sad. He wants you happy. The number one thing he wants you is just to have that joy about you. He goes, Why are you sad? Well, they crucified my Lord. The Bible says he would have kept right on walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. He sat down for dinner with them and then he took them through the word. How do you like this? He sits down with dinner, took them through the scripture, he showed them Christ and the old covenant. Wow, what a resurrection message. Having God Himself. He could have gone, Nah, nah, na nah, nah, nah I'm God. You know, that's what I would have done. I told you guys I was going to rise from the dead. No one was out there when I raised up. No, I did it by myself. But you know what? He's so sweet. He took them through the Scripture. He's physically in their presence. Took them through the Word. He wanted them to see Him in the Word. And then He broke bread disappeared. And they're like, Wow, did not our hearts burn within us the words that He spoke to us? I guess so. Woo! wow. Fresh from the factory. Glory to God. Well, that's pretty cool. They went back and told their buddies, We saw him, we ain't with him. They go, No, you didn't, you're crazy. Your buddies that you're with all the time, they go, You didn't see him, nah, 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 nah. And then Thomas goes, I'll tell you what, I won't believe until I see the hole in his side, see the print in his hand. I ain't going to believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, reach into your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Don't you love it? The Lord knows every word you say. So this is cool, and they freaked out. He's a spirit, because that is kind of cool to walk through the wall. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. Isn't that gonna be awesome? And he goes, he goes, No, no, I'm not a spirit. He goes, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see, I have. So they could handle him. He was normal. And the first thing he asked for, we've talked about it before, what's the first thing he asked for? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, Do you have any broccoli? He didn't say do you have any kale? He didn't say, Do you have any salad? He didn't say, Have you got a light salad? I might have? no, he said, Where's the beef? <laughs> so in his glorified body, he can walk through the wall, he can still be handled. And he still has an appetite for meat because he's normal. So what's coming for us (laughs) is this glorified body never get tired again, that, that we can enjoy the presence of God. This is why we have to have a rapture. Hang with me. This mortal has to put on immortality. The stain of Adam has to be taken off of us. As we've borne the image of the earthy, we'll bear the image of the heavenly. Remember the old covenant, you had cherubim and you had seraphim. The seraphim had two wings that covered their face. Two wings that they've covered their feet and two wings that they fly with. They're created to be at the throne of God. They go around the throne, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of His glory. They, that's their job, but they still have to shield themselves from His glory. We just have no idea of the radiance of what we're about to get into. In the Old Covenant, he said, put a fence around the mountain, lest Exodus 19, put a fence around the mountain lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God's mad at them. He's just pure and holy. and They weren't pure and holy. Right. So here... We're gonna get us a new body, we can walk in and talk to dad, and our rods and our cones are gonna be okay. Wouldn't that be weird? You go in and talk to dad. I can't see for six months. What's up with this? No. You wanna be able to see him. I mean, think about it. The Bible says it didn't say there's no sun, so there's no need for the sun because of the brightness of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You know, that one preacher, Richard Sigmund, that was in the car wreck, went to heaven came back alive in the morgue. How do you like that four days later? He's in the morgue, comes back alive. If I was working in the morgue, man, you talk about running. I'd have been doing some running right there. This guy sits up and comes alive. I'm sure that caught the guy off guard. He goes, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven, all of a sudden I look up and a sunrise. He goes, you know, I hadn't even thought about the sun coming up in heaven. It wasn't the sun. It was Jesus coming walking up over the hill. So we're going to get us a body that can handle that kind of radiance. Wow, he's so glorious. So we get this brand new body. Isn't that going to be cool? Woo, glory to God. And you see where the, the, the voice of the archangel. I, I, This is conjecture for a second because I want to get somewhere. Everybody with me for a little bit longer? Wow, help me, Jesus. I'll give you a little bit of conjecture for a little bit because we got a little bit more to get into. I believe just like when the devil disputed over the body of Moses because the devil said, Hey, he's on the earth. It's part of my domain. And the, the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. I believe right before the rapture of the church, the, archangel's gonna, the devil's going to go, you can't go pick them like that. They live on the earth where I am, where I have authority. And the archangel's going to go, the Lord rebuke you. And my friend, out of the dirt, all of a sudden, every believer that's gone home to be with the Lord is going to be recreated. They're going to meet their body in the air, and we're going to go up to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. You talk about rejoicing. You talk about shouting. We should be freaking out because this is so close to happening because we're about to get a brand new body and be caught up. You talk about joy. You talk about, think of the loved ones you have there that you're going to get to have a reunion with. What a reunion we're going to have. All these loved ones, we're going to be right there. Woo, glory to God. It's going to be so fun. So this event called the rapture is going to happen. Let's talk about qualifications I gave you there in verse 14. Buzz back there because I want to get moving. I've got I to get rocking here. Look at verse 14. Verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So like I said a while ago, the qualifications to be in Christ. You can't do something to make yourself cool enough to merit the rapture. You have to be in the body of Christ. I had a lady tell me this in Galveston. I've told you the story before. She walked up to me. And she goes, how dare you say if you're in the body of Christ, you're going up. I said, well, no, the Bible's pretty clear about it. It's not by works. It's by his blood. It's the same thing that gets you saved. In fact, I said, it's not about you. It's about him coming back for his body. Just like if I was preaching tonight with one leg, I'd be looking forward to getting my other leg. He's looking forward to being reconnected to his body. And the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. The Holy Spirit said, ask her, whose works would she rather trust in? Jesus's works or her works? See, I, I I think I'll trust in His works. My own righteousness is filthy rags, so I'm going to take His righteousness. Come on, Amen. So He made you this way. Glory to God. So that's what's going to make you go up. Because now, Hank, don't get mad at me. I'm trying to. I feel I got like 500 directions going because I watch TV. Some of my favorite preachers all taught the last two months eight different reasons why everybody's not going up in the rapture. Just where we were there in Luke 21, verse 36, pray that you might be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. I don't have to pray to be accounted worthy. I am worthy. See, he was talking to Jewish boys there that they needed to pray to be accounted worthy because Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. After the resurrection, you're him. As he is, so are we in this world. Okay, let me give you another one. Oh, everybody everybody with me? Everybody with me a couple more minutes? I think I'll sit down and talk about this one. Here we go. (laughs) This one deserves to sit down. Okay, the ten virgins. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up, not talking to the church. (laughs) After the resurrection, I don't need oil in my lamp because I'm him. See, he's talking to unbelievers fulfilling the Jewish law. And what was the percentage that got oil in their lamp? 50%. That's the exact percentage that is saved at the second coming. One's taken and one's left. Because I hear that all the time, if you don't have oil in your lamp. I actually saw a preacher, he said, if you don't even have your wick ready, you're not going up. It has nothing to do with you. That verse is all about unbelievers. <laughs> okay? Jesus so perfectly fulfilled the law. In the New Testament, you're him. Would Jesus qualify? Would Jesus need oil in his lamp? No, you're him. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Start the car. I'll be right there. Because I don't hear anybody preach that on TV. They'll preach it to well. you know, you're not ready. You just never know. So that produces fear. When you have zero fear, because you're Him as He is, so are we in this world. Wow, glory to God. All right, let's talk about timing for a minute. This is really cool, because this gets gets you blessed when you talk about President Trump and Vice President Pence. This is crazy. Let's talk about the only little reference in the Gospels, because there's no reference in the Gospels to the rapture. All of the Gospels, this will help you. Every one of the Gospels is all about the second coming. Second coming, second coming, second coming, second coming. You can't find the rapture until you get into the epistles because it was a mystery just like the church age was a mystery. But the only little reference, because this will bless you, this is when we start getting into the timing. The only hidden reference was in John 14. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. The crazy thing about those words were he just proposed to them. That was like an American would say to a woman, will you marry me? See, basically, this is how a Jewish man would be betrothed. Because listen to me, in the old days, dudes didn't ask dudes to marry him. Thank you for that one amen. That's right, isn't it? And I'm sure when he said, will you guys marry me, they looked around and said, is he talking to us? Because we're dudes. He just proposed to us. So what would happen? A man would ask a woman to marry him. He would go back to his father's house. The father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite, and the father would tell the son when the room is ready and to go down to get her, his bride. And I, asked, I interviewed woman after woman after woman in Israel. I said, how would you know how close you were to him coming? She goes, we'd know almost to the day. I go, why? She said, we didn't want to spend 500 bucks on perfume and him be another six months months. I said, how, how close to, would you know? She said, we'd know within a day or two. Now I said, how would you know? She said, word would come to us. Word has come to you today. The fullness of the Gentiles is in. Word would come to her because the room's almost done. They'd be going, he's just about to come for you. And you know what would happen? when The room would be done. The father would go, son, go get your bride. He'd come out with a shout and she would go out to meet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. How cool is that? Now the amazing thing is, <laughs> Let's talk about timing now. This is cool. That, that's what it is. I mean, isn't it cool that all these ladies, this is how they were. They're so sweet. They said, they'd look at me and go, seriously? You think we wouldn't know when he's coming? Now, it's a three-day period, and that's what we'll look at right now. How do we know about the timing of the rapture? Now, this, in the old days, was never taught. I just can't believe that we weren't taught this. Okay, let's talk about the festivals for a minute. Everybody, everybody still with me for a couple more minutes? We've got, got a couple more minutes, then we'll go to Daniel, and then we'll get to my greatest hits album, and we'll, we'll hit it all. Here we go. I have sung Aerosmith back uh, walk this way one time in a service in North Carolina just to break things up a little bit. Seriously, played it on the guitar too. Picked up the guitar and played Backstroke Lovers need the cover, talking to you, Daddy and C. I, I know every single word. Lord help me. Where was I? I was somewhere about the Rapture, wasn't I? Somewhere on there. <laughs> Let's talk about the festivals for a minute because this is so sweet of the Lord to give us so much information. So, He had dress rehearsals for the real so that when they saw the real, they go, well, I've served that. We, we, we've been rehearsing that. So, what was the dress rehearsal? What was the first one? Passover. Okay? What happened on Passover is a type of Calvary. People got forgiven, got healed, and got delivered. <laughs> they looked at a photograph of Jesus on the cross with a brass serpent on a pole, they had poison driven out of their bodies, they got forgiven, they got healed, and got delivered. All it said they did was they looked at it. A photograph. That'd be like saying, I'm going to play basketball, but I need some players. Here's a picture of Michael Jordan. All of a sudden, you need to win every game. With a photograph of Michael Jordan. So Passover was a, a dress rehearsal so that when Jesus came, what did John say? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When did he go on the cross? The Feast of Passover. Okay, What was the next feast? Unleavened bread. Jesus had a feast to keep. So normally you're on the cross longer, but he had, to, <laughs> he had a feast to keep, so he had to be buried on unleavened bread. What was unleavened bread? They took three pieces of bread, the middle piece, they folded it, they pierced it, and they broke it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Home of the bread. Jesus goes to the cross on Passover, flawless. Buried on unleavened bread, Flawless. What's the next festival? First fruits. What happened on first fruits? Jesus was raised from the dead. So he fulfilled them flawlessly. All right, what's the next festival after that? 50 days later, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Flawlessly, the Holy Spirit was poured out. What's the next feast to be fulfilled? Feast of trumpets. It's a feast of gatherings. That's in September of every year. So I don't know about you, but my wife and I, I know exactly when the Feast of Trumpets starts in September. It's a three day period. So when Jesus, hang with me, when Jesus said, of that day and that hour, No man knows. He was saying, I'm coming back for you on the Feast of Trumpets. Why? It was a feast on the new moon on the 29.5th day of the month. So the Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out and go, there's the new moon. That's why they didn't know the day or the hour. It was was one of those three days that it was going to happen when they would declare, there's the new moon. So at the Feast of Trumpets, there's about a three-day period where you can tell the Lord's going to come back and get you. We say, well, he may not come back then. Well, you guys can rebuke me and mock me for eternity. I don't care. But you know what? Every September, I'm going, Lord, I love you. <laughs> I, I got a wave offering going. Every, I can tell you when it starts, September the 18th of this year, and tell you when it finishes. Now, it, it, there, is, there is one more possibility, which I can't believe I'm going to get into this, but hang with me. There's several things about Feast of Trumpets. Number one, it's the beginning of seven days of awe mirroring the seven years of tribulation. It's also the coronation of a king. There's a private ceremony. We are raptured. We go up to the private ceremony. And then at the second coming, there's a public ceremony. He's revealed to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow. There's many more things about Feast of Trumpets. But there is this one little thought I want to throw in there. I'm paying attention every September, which I'm actually paying attention every day. Yeah, amen. Because, I mean, there's, there's not one verse that says he can't come on any other days. But this is a little thought. So this, this, is, this is bonus night. How's, how's your appetizer been? Here's your, your main course. Here's bonus. Here we go. A little dessert. Enoch was born on Pentecost. Enoch was raptured on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost. The law was given on Pentecost. So we might be raptured on Pentecost. Because the church started on Pentecost, it might finish on Pentecost. That's just a thought. But you know what? I want to. want to be very, very dogmatic about this. God said in His Word, "You're not in darkness so that day would overtake you as a thief." So you know what? It will not overtake you as a thief. It will not be a surprise to you. Was your wedding a surprise to you? Oh, I'm married. No. That didn't happen like that. You send out, save the date, and then you'd have all this work to get ready for. Lauren, we had a destination wedding in California, nine bridesmaids. Lauren sent me all this stuff to get ready for it. It was an old-fashioned way of making these things. I went to the store, and the guy goes, they haven't done that since the late 1800s. I go, Lauren, you gave me stuff that's going to take me 200 years to do. So there was more work involved in that wedding than anything I've ever been involved in my life because it's a celebration. It's a celebration. See, the church has to get it in the church that you've got dominion, you've got power, and you've got glory, and you're blazing a trail, you're being a voice right before he comes, and all of a sudden you're going to meet him face to face in the heavens. So it should just be a wild thought pattern. To you, you, you should mock disease, you should mock lack. There should be so much boldness in you that people are afraid of you, they think you're nuts. Yeah. You know you're finally getting on the edge of they go, that guy's lost his mind. No, I'm just now finding my mind. How dare me let the world dictate to me what the king has done for me. What the king has done for me supersedes everything that the devil might even try to do in the last days to where it's nothing. Man, we've had it easy compared to the early church. Dear God, I've not seen one Christian boiled and set on fire. That was normal for them. We've been very, very, we live in a country, and I hadn't even gotten into all this, but in China, this last, last week in China, they said you take down all the pictures of Jesus in your house, and if you're, if you're say, you're a Christian, you won't get any funding this next year. So all this is coming together. It's happening right now. You got jets flying in the South China Sea. <laughs> you have all the stuff getting ready to happen. Go to Daniel. We got to close. Go to Daniel. Go to Daniel. This will be real quick. Everybody, everybody got a couple minutes? I've been, been going, wow, I've been going almost uh, 50 minutes. Dear Jesus, help me, Lord. So I didn't hear one person say, go for it. <laughs> I'll do like Bruce Black. Remember Bruce Black? goes, can you give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 30. <laughs> have I ever preached too long for you guys? Ever? Now, why, is, why, is that, why, is that, why do I do that? Because I have been in the meeting when Jesus had left the service and the preacher didn't know. <laughs> Hundreds, thousands of times. Hey, he left and waved. <laughs> And he's saying goodbye, and the preacher just, oh, Jesus, help us. So I say that so I won't abuse your time. So let's, let's run for a second to Daniel because this will show you that you can't be here during the trib. Wouldn't it be cool to have some verses that show you can't be here? So look at Daniel 9. This will take just a minute, but it's really cool. We'll finish off with this. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, if you've got your Bible there, it's page 994 if you've got a Bible like mine. And the first year of Darius, which was the son of whatever that is, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. This sounds like blah, 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 but it's really flawless because we're going to get to some of the coolest verses in the Bible ever. He said, "I first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. He said, I set my face in the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So, so Daniel's like, man, this is not cool. We're in jail. So he's smart enough to go, why are we in captivity? He goes back to the books and finds out that we're supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? They kind of fudged and planted on that seventh year. Guess how long they fudged? 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So God said, okay, no problem. You can plant on there if you want to. But I'm going to let you go into captivity to pay the land back. Thank God we live in the New Testament. Amen. So how long did they miss it? 490 years. Okay, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 490 times. 70 times 7. Okay, with that in mind, you're going to to get to the most flawless verses in the Bible. Look over at verse 23. Watch what he's going to say. Gabriel here is talking to Daniel. In verse 23, he said, The beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth, I'm come to show you're greatly beloved. Therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. He goes, Okay, you missed it for 490 years, you're getting another 490. He goes, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. That's just another way of saying 70 segments of seven or four hundred and ninety years. You missed it for four ninety. God's so sweet, He's giving you another 490. Okay, hang with me. What's it for? For thy people who? The Jews, not the church. The Jews. What else? For the holy city, Jerusalem. Okay? To finish the transgression. To make an end of sins. To make reconciliation for iniquity. Bring an everlasting righteousness. Seal of the vision of prophecy and anoint the most holy. Here we go. Here's the exactness. Look at this. Verse 25. Buckle up. Know therefore and understand... That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Jesus comes, there's gonna be a certain amount of years and I'm gonna add them up for you. So basically he said, okay, Gabriel goes, okay, there's gonna be a proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem, and when that proclamation goes forth, the the, the clock's gonna start. So you remember King Artaxerxes, he was talking to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah goes, man, Jerusalem's overthrown. He's all bummed out depressed. He goes, don't worry, we're going to rebuild Jerusalem. To the point, I'm going to make a proclamation to do that. So King Artaxerxes makes the proclamation, the clock started. Okay? When that clock started, Gabriel said, Jesus is going to come after 483 years. Well, you know, when Jesus came on the scene, they said, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. John was about to get his head cut off and said, go ask him again, is he the one? This is not looking good for me. (laughs) I'd be asking questions too. "Eh, Talk to me, goose. Here we go. They're going to cut my head off tomorrow. Are you the deal? Jesus said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. He wouldn't really come right out and say it. But there came that time where he came walking in on that that colt, and they put the palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, man, don't let them say that. They're crying out. Uh, You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus comes after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. Takes the church off the earth and (laughs) deals with man in an outward, visible way, just like Moses dealt with Pharaoh to get his hardened heart to change. So you're watching everything that's happening right now is a setup for alterations for the entrance of the king. Man, we we should come in with singing, go out with joy. We should be doing cartwheels. We should be, it should be like that movie The Blues Brothers when they're doing all the cartwheels and jumping up, spinning around. That should be church every day. Just woo. I've always said it. Maybe Pastor Michael will have a helicopter and have it land on the building, have a top thing open up, and Pastor Mike comes flying in like Batman, swings in. Woo! Jesus is coming. I don't care really what it takes, but man, there should be a wildness about us. See, religion makes you depressed. Religion makes you downtrodden. In His presence is fullness of joy. So you've you got to be careful what you're hanging out with. Because religion will tell you, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Notice the tone of that. I really want to be around that a long time. No. <laughs> Amen. He called himself, well, this is what the Bible says in Hebrews, the oil of gladness. That's what raised Jesus from the dead was joy. You know what the oil of gladness above thy fellows? He called himself the life of the party. Now we were never taught growing up that it was cool to be crazy. We were always taught the more religious you get, the more sombre you are. And that's the opposite of the Bible. let see, I feel resistance even saying that. And he's he's the life of the party. He'd be the guy at the party to go, calm that guy down. Who's that? That's the Lord. <laughs> Now in His presence is fullness of joy. I'm saying that because all this information is because He loves you. He loves you. He wants you filled with joy. You're about to see Him. I, I don't know what kind of practice we can do for rapture. I, I, I mean, how wild is it? All of a sudden, we're going to disappear. Right. The cares of this life. Now, hang with you. I'm stopping right now. We're going to go right there to the throne of God. The Bible says it will be a sea of glass as clear as crystal. Crystal is the only element that you can't hide a flaw. We're going to be flawless before the throne, and there will be no more storms. Man. Won't that be fun? I mean, I have dominion. I, I use, use the word over storms. And I'll just say this. If there's someone in here that thinks that God's correcting you or instructing you through storms and sickness and disease, that's not the Bible. The devil comes forth to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So don't don't get mixed up with what's going on because I hear so many people say, well, God's going to send it your way until you're, he's going to show you and train you. I never once was tempted to break my daughter's legs on the way to school to train her. Well, I think I'll pull over and break her leg. No, that's insane. But people think the Lord's like that. He loves you. 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 Wow. And His banner over you is love. <laughs> I think I'll sing an old 70s song. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the King. No more dying there. We're going to see the king. So let's make preparations in our church. I'm stopping right now at 717. I preached almost an hour. Whatever we got to do. Pastor Mike said, you know, next year, uh, four weeks from now, we're going to have church outside. We're going to sit out in the sun, and I'm going to blaze by on a Harley, and I'm going to uh, uh, use a bullhorn. Go, hey, let's do it. Let's get the Harley. Let's get the bullhorn. Let's do it. Whatever's, whatever's on deck. God may have us do some crazy things in the next few months. You might be raptured in September. Now I, th- I think we got a little bit more time, but uh, hey, I, I'm I'm ready. How crazy is that for all of a sudden us to disappear? Now, you can feel it. The rapture's not an ending. It's a beginning. People go, well, i got so much in my heart. I don't want the Lord to come back. You're going to live forever. (laughs) You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We'll get into that in the next few services. You have a wonderful future. You're going to be doing the coolest stuff ever. It'll be so much joy. So don't worry about the rapture. Especially young people, they think they're going to miss out on things. They're not going to miss out on anything. It's going to be wonderful absolutely wonderful. Well, I just opened up a whole can of worms there. Dear God, we better close. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Lord, we, we love you. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for instructing us about this great day of change, the rapture of the church. We're beyond excited to all of a sudden meet you in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I ask you right now, Father, before we close, to bless every person in this room, Lord. Bless their households, their jobs, their kids. I thank you there'll be a season of peace in their homes A season of joy in their homes, Lord. Thank you for that. And Father, I ask you for a radical awareness of your return. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.